Hello and welcome to a new episode of Museums Up, a series of podcasts from the Reinherit Project, a smart tool that provides you with current issues related to cultural heritage management, digital innovation, and sustainability in museums. The Reinherit Project is funded from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme under Grant Agreement No. 101-004-545. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. This is Jaime Lopez from Arte Sostenible, and you are listening to a new episode of Museum Sub, a series of podcasts from the Reinherit Project. The topic of this episode is the advantages of co-creation in museum exhibits and programs. Co-creation in museums refers to the process of involving visitors, community members, and other stakeholders in the development and curation of museum exhibits, programs, and experiences. To talk about this important topic, today we have Diana Junis, Head of Education and Culture Department of the Royal Museum for Central Africa in Belgium. Hi, Diana, and welcome to Museum SAP. Hi, Jamie, thanks for having me. Um, what is co-creation for the Education and Culture Department of the Africa Museums, and why is this necessary? So thank you for that excellent question. Um, so I would say in, in, in an ideal situation, co-creation is where it's in the word, isn't it? It's, it's creating something together. It's where two people sit together, exchange ideas, start working on it and um, produce a result that they wouldn't have produced if they would have been on their own. So for the education and culture department, it's um, including people, communities, experts, for the purpose of changing the outcome, which is so, so important, especially in history education, because scientific research tells us that quality history education needs to include uh, multiple perspectives. It is so, so important. So it changes the outcome of what you were gonna um, create, which is hugely important for history education. And a second, I think, very important reason to do co-creation is that it's more inclusive, it includes uh, communities, um, uh, groups of people, visitors, etc., whichever um, you want to, where you want to define it, and it makes your activities as such more inclusive, more accessible, uh, etc. So I think um, co-creation today in a museum like ours is necessary. We have to do it. Another take on co-creation is during educational activities and with participants. I mean, learners taking control of the learning. How does this play out and where does it lead to? I mean, that's such an interesting uh, take on it as well, isn't it? I am not sure 100% if I can use the term co-creation when I talk about our workshops, but I like doing it because in, during our workshops, what we find really important is that we give agency to our learners. We like to give them control of what they are learning, how they are learning it, and what, what they want to take from this learning process. So, for example, when we have a workshop on um, uh, Belgian colonial history, which is obviously one of our more, most important workshops. We actually ask um, the participants, which will be youngsters aged 17 or 18, to produce a video presentation whichever way they want, but they usually use their smartphone. And we want them to use um, their smartphone digital skills, etc., 
to produce a presentation on certain characteristics of um, Belgian colonization. So it could be violence, it could be segregation, it could be racism, it could be exclusion, etc. And then we take that presentation that they prepared themselves and we use it as a learning tool in our workshop. This creates some peer-to-peer learning, which is very interesting. It gives them agencies, uh, it gives them a way to determine how they're going to learn it, what they're going to learn, what they find important of the stuff that they've been researching. And it creates this whole new dynamics within within a workshop, which for us is very important and very interesting, because if you include people in the learning process, they will be more motivated, they will be more interested, and they will have a feeling that they also um, are, are active in this whole learning process. So for me, it's kind of also co-creation. We do this in our other workshops as well. We have workshops for toddlers, for example, which uh, during which we we use theater, so we, we provide them with an a example of theater, and then we give them the, the stage, uh, the podium, we give them all the tools and they can create their own theater, etc., which also creates this kind of new dynamics within the learning process. So we try to do this in all of our workshops, and we have found that this type of co-creation, if I can call it that, uh, really benefits the learner, the learning process, and, and therefore also the outcomes. So for us, it's really important to use it during our workshops as well. Okay, and what type of profile of uh, communities or people participating in these uh, workshops do you have at the museum? So um, the participants of our workshops are mostly schools. So we do kindergarten, primary schools, secondary schools. We also occasionally have universities and other uh, higher education um, institutions. But it's mostly um, schools. So you have a class basically of 20, 24 children or um, youngsters from secondary school uh, and they come very often because obviously Belgian colonial history is an important uh, part of Belgian history and therefore makes is a part of the curriculum but we also have um, primary school children uh, we have workshops on proverbs so immaterial heritage for example in kindergarten we focus more on identity and and getting to know um, other cultures who am I who is the other etc so we have a lot of different um, participants. I think when we talk more about co-creation um, during the development of, of certain activities, for example, these workshops, we prefer working with um, also youngsters, obviously, which are a very important um, uh, group um, to take into account when you're developing workshops, but also, for example, communities from the African diaspora, who is a very important group when we talk about um, Belgian colonial history or when we talk about Central Africa, obviously. So we always try to include those um, communities, groups, experts that have a relevant expertise and that can really complement the expertise that is present within the African Museum. And let's be honest, for every single project that we do, we need external expertise. So the time that uh, museums uh, were developing everything internally on their own is long past, I think. We have to we have to really acknowledge that there is an enormous body of knowledge and expertise outside of our walls and that we really, if we want to improve and have quality education, uh, quality exhibitions, that we need to ask and, and co-create and ask for their, for their help as well. Yeah, this is very important in terms of collaboration with other museums and other professionals in the sector. Oh yeah, absolutely. And maybe something that I would like to include as well is that in the process of, of co-creation, the way you do it is as important as the outcome, obviously. So um, I 
I mean, for us, co-creation is really the ultimate goal, but we don't always achieve it because it really assumes two equal parties who have equal access to everything, which in our sector, unfortunately, is 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 very often impossible because when we work with external experts, they will be freelancers, they will be, uh, they will have other assignments and jobs and 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 work that they need to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We are in comfort of our our job. We have access to to everything at all times, etc. So. In order to more stabilize and, and establish a more equal relationship, we really uh, stress the 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 need uh, for a framework. So we need to have a contract, we need to have an agreement, we need to pay people uh, for their efforts and for their input and for their expertise in an attempt to equalize the relationship that we have with these experts. I think it's still um, very difficult to do, and that's a shame, but it shouldn't prevent us from doing it, and it shouldn't prevent us from um, uh, trying to improve that, that equality and that equal partnership between this, this process of co-creation, which is so, so important. So when I talk about co-creation, I usually use it as a sort of ultimate goal, and then when we talk about actual projects that we did, I will say, okay, with this person we collaborated and with this person we had this type of agreement. Because I don't want to use the term when it's not appropriate. It's very important uh, to use terms when they're appropriate. And it's also very important, I think, to acknowledge that we're not there yet and that it's still a learning process. Enough. This is very interesting, really. Thank you very much for your input. You're very welcome. Anytime. We hope this episode has helped you to understand the importance of incorporating co-creation in museums programs. Thanks for listening to Museums Up, a podcast from the Rehabilit Project, and stay tuned for the next episode. We inherit, redefining the future of cultural heritage. For more information about the Reinherit project, go to reinherit.eu and check our social channels. Reinherit, make it your own.